Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Crossed Up. Anthony Sanfilippo is in the house. I'm Bob Wankel. Anthony, let's get right to it, man. Um, you know, I've done this thing on this show this year where, like, uh, I try not to do what the Phillies post-game live show does, which is this instant reaction. Uh, I'm pissed. It's the end of the world. This team blows. You know, Bob, you need to put on your blue glasses, Bob. Yeah, and wear my blue glasses. Like, I, I just... I don't want to be that guy. Like, if, if you listen to us on a, or on a routine basis, like, I want you to say, like, hey, here's a guy that sort of feels what I feel when I watch these games, but also is able to take a long view and is smart enough to kind of know how baseball ebbs and flows and that not every game, every series is a referendum on a team. And so with that said, do I think that the Philly season is over because they lost two out of three games to the Washington Nationals this weekend? I don't. Do I think that this team blows because they lost two out of three games to the Washington Nationals this weekend? I I, I don't. But do I think that that was a horseshit weekend for that team? I, I do. Like, they, they blow a 6-1 lead Friday night. They get shut out for six innings on Saturday. And, hey, kudos to them for their late explosion. And then last night... Trevor Williams, six innings of shutout baseball? Come on, man. Like, that series is what the Phillies are this season. It's why they continue to hold a three-game lead in the wild card race and not an eight-game lead in the wild card race. Like, at some point, I would like to see some killer instinct from this team where they put the foot on the throat and they just can't do it. And I don't know if it's because they're not good enough or if they're not focused enough or that they only play when they really have to play. Like, but I'm not trying to overreact, but I got to tell you, that was a very, very disappointing weekend for me. Yeah. I mean, it was, and, and, you know, there's a story by the time people hear this podcast, um, my story will be up on crossing broad. And, and, you know, one of the things that I really wanted to write about um, coming off the weekend was just, and we're going to talk, we'll talk more about it, but it was just what an, a, a great day Sunday was with the Phillies and how they were interacting with the Philadelphia fans and the people from Delaware County with the Little League, the team from Media and the Little League World Series. Like, you know, I, I, I don't think that that should be overshadowed. We'll get to it eventually because I think it's one of the one of the biggest moments of fan connectivity that this city has ever seen. But the but the reality is, and this is what my story ends up being, is that just as as awesome as that was, that quickly that feeling was taken away by the fact that the Phillies went out and played as poor a baseball game, as disinterested a baseball game as they could have possibly played 
on national television that night against the Nationals. So Sunday night's game is the one that really bothers me. Look, you're going to lose a game to the Nationals. Look, the Nationals are playing good baseball. We talked about it on Friday, right? I didn't expect them to sweep the Nationals. I thought that they were going to lose a game. And so you say, all right, they lose the game Friday, fine. They come from behind. They find their offense Saturday. Okay. Sunday, with all the good feeling and everything else that's going on, and you get the national coverage, you have your best pitcher going in the game. He comes out terrible. The offense doesn't really care until the ninth inning. And it's just that's the one where you sit there and go, oh, guys, what the hell are you doing? Like, that's the one where you just sit there, you know, and and that's why I understand and get fan frustration. Yeah, we have the ability to look at this team holistically and say, they're still a really good team. They're still a playoff team, and they're going to be, you know, in the mix here come October. But when things like that happen, I understand why people go off the wall because this team has the ability to take you from one extreme emotion in the afternoon to another extreme emotion in the same night. And that's, I think, what the 2023 Phillies really are. Yeah, and I mean, listen, I did a a radio hit on WIP after the game Saturday, Anthony, and I'm, I'm talking to Tom Kelly, and he's like, this team is so volatile. This offense is so volatile. And you start to go through each individual player. And it's almost like what day of the week is going to dictate how I, or I think how most people feel about this baseball team. Like you said, will they be there in October? I don't think so. I'm with you on that. Not everybody's, not everybody's with you on that, but I I just think that they are clearly the best team amongst all these wild card contenders and pretenders. I do. I do think that they are significantly below Atlanta. And I think that given how Los Angeles has played now over the last two months, I don't think that they're on the Dodgers level. Do I think that they can get either team in the playoffs? Sure. But when you just talk about, hey, what do each of these teams have? The Phillies have not been consistent enough for me to say, yeah, I would bet on them to beat the Dodgers. I would bet on them to beat the Braves. I just can't do that because the Phillies won't let me do that. But I can look at them from an individual standpoint. We can talk about how JT Romuto's had such a bad year. Well, guess what? Like JT Romuto now over like the last 30 games is OPS in the mid 800s. It's creeping up to 800 for the season. And I'm not telling you that that makes him a Hall of Famer, but he's been pretty good here for a prolonged stretch now, even though it does come with hot and cold waves. And you look at Trey Turner and you're starting to see that, that resurgence there. I think that there's been a little bit of stability there. He's had some struggles but he has the big game Saturday. Like, I just think that he's in a better place and has a more consistent swing right now than he previously had. You feel like Harper's coming back. You've seen Castellanos stabilize. Like, we could go right down the list, and on Saturday night, I would have told you there's a lot to like about this offense. There's there's a lot to feel really good about. 24 hours later, if I did that same radio hit, I'd say, I I don't know, man. Like, for all the, the, the Victus customized bats last night i mean their fucking bats looked like they were made out of pencil like i mean it was it was it was pathetic it was that was an a pathetic offensive showing last night i don't want to hear about the three runs in the ninth i don't care you can't get shut out by trevor williams and i know i sound like i should be on philly's post game live right now but like come on i'm waiting for you to show me i'm waiting for you to show me that you you have the ability to Create some separation in this race. Like, it's time, guys. Come on. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Bob. I mean, that that 
that's as frustrating a game as you're gonna as you're gonna see because they just tattooed that guy what a week and a half ago in Philly like they took a lot of so here's the thing here's where I really like I felt like the first inning you know they make him throw 29 pitches in the first inning right and he didn't score but you say all right it was one of those innings where they just didn't, they didn't get the hit but the fact that they worked this guy they worked him the last time they faced him in Philly they're gonna they're gonna get runs off this guy like it's it's coming there's no way this guy rebounds from a 29 pitch first inning except he did because the Phillies didn't swing at anything. I mean, they, they didn't hit anything. They were swinging it. They just, he's just throwing the ball over the plate and they're just up there, weak contact, striking out. And it's like, dude, what happened? They, they stopped having an approach. They were swinging it, you know, first pitch, everything, and just kind of like not putting the ball in, in anywhere that should be, a, you know, for a hit, not putting the barrel on the ball. And, and I'm going, Am I am I yeah, in suddenly I an alternate universe? Like what what happened with this and team against this guy? The other thing is too. Again, it's one game. Bad pitchers have good nights. Like, come on, you're on national television. It dictates whether or not it's a winning road trip or a losing road trip. It dictates whether or not you you win the series or lose the series. Like, I just expected them to have a little bit more juice for that. And again, like to borrow uh, a Joe Girardiism. You know, the other guys are pretty good, too, or the other guys get paid, too. And that's all fine and well. And I know that the Nationals aren't playing a lot of big games this season, and that's a showcase game for them. They've played better lately, and it's an opportunity where they're going to be up for that game. Like, that's fine. I'm, I'm cool with that, and I get that. But I, I would expect the Phillies to have more than what they had last night. And, you know, to get off the offense for a second, I put that loss squarely on the offense. But if we're being real here, Zach Wheeler gives them seven innings last night. He only allows eight total base runners. I believe it was seven hits and a walk. Strikes out five. And, like, seven innings, four earned runs, that shouldn't that should be enough, I think, against Trevor Williams and the Washington Nationals to, to win a baseball game. But you know just as well as I do that you come out and you give up five consecutive hits to start a game, you're immediately down 4 nothing. That changes the entire feel of a baseball game. And I know that when Wheeler pitched against the Nationals two weeks ago at Citizens Bank Park, they got down 3 nothing early. They easily overcame it. They won the first game of that doubleheader easily. So it's not to say that it was some insurmountable deficit, but come on, man. Like, you can't immediately just come out of the gate and be down 4 nothing in the blink of an eye. Do I have any concerns long-term about Zach Wheeler? No, I absolutely don't. But for what that game was last night, not good enough. No, absolutely not good enough. I mean, you gave up five hits to the first five batters. And then all of a sudden it was like, all right, now I'm going to pitch. And I don't think it took – I think they had like one hit in the next four innings, right? right? I mean, like after the fifth hitter, it was almost like Zach Wheeler said, all right, I'm ready. Yeah. It doesn't matter that those five guys got on base and four of them scored. All right, I'm going to pitch now. Like, you can't have that. You just can't have it. I mean, that's, you know, again, and we talked about this on Friday. Nationals are a good-hitting team. They don't strike out. They put the ball in play. They make things happen, right? I mean, there's a reason they have one of the better records in the game in the last month because they're playing good baseball. Um, the, The Nationals in August are not the Nationals of 2022 or even the Nationals of May. They are a a better baseball team that doesn't excuse the slop that he threw with the first five hitters of the game. It doesn't excuse your lineup from not being able to get a hit off of Trevor Williams. Like 
I don't I, like it, and so it, it's it's fascinating to me how they can take you from one extreme to the other so quickly. And it's not even about I, I get this all the time too on on social media. It's not even that I believe that the Phillies are feast or famine offense because I I don't. I know they have games where they look lethargic for a long period of time, and then oh, they add some runs at the end. But the fact of the matter is, is that they do find a way sometimes to have those innings. That's just what they do. They they they're they're inconsistent. Yes, if you want to talk about inconsistency, I'm good with that. They're not feast or famine. But my lord, do they do they take you on a roller coaster watching a game? Like within the same game, like even in the ninth inning, when Cave Jake Cave hits that home run and you get the four to three, there's part of you that's saying they're, they're gonna win this thing. Yeah. Like they're gonna uh, yeah. pull this out. Like they were so bad all night, and you're sitting there like JT just gets on base here. Schwarber's gonna come up and like hit the home run because he always hits a home run against Washington, and we're gonna be like unbelievable comeback win. But you know, those things, you know, it just didn't happen. But you, you're feeling that. And why do you feel that? Because it's what they do to you. Because it's what they do. This this team has a unique ability to make an idiot out of you on a nightly basis. It's like that, <laughs> yes. that just when I thought I was out, they keep pulling me back in. And then just when you start to trust them, they burn you. You know, we talked about the odds in the the opener Friday night. They were minus 198 when Michael Lorenzen took the hill. Like when that when those odds closed. Minus one ninety eight to win that game on Friday night. They're up six one. They lose yeah. the game last night with Wheeler on the mound. They're minus two thirty in that game last night. Like two thirty to win a hundred. Like that is a substantial favorite in baseball. And you lose two of those games this weekend. I just, I and I, they do it all the time. And they do it in games all the time where you think that they're cooked or they're buried and then they come back and they win. Then you start to feel good about them and then they they blow it and like. I I know that every team does this to some extent. It's the nature of the game. I mean, 30, 37 years old, I've watched a lot of baseball. I've watched it as an idiot fan. I've tried to watch it as a neutral observer, as somebody that's covered a team. I, I know how the game works. I, I understand how the game works. But, man, like this team, maybe more than any other team I can remember, just – it's it's like multiple personality disorder, like and it happens, like with like on a dime. It, it, it you just don't see it coming, and like so then they enter this series now with the Giants, and you know I don't I don't think this Giants seems very good. Like I'm with you on that, but people are viewing this as a, a massive series. Like they were swept by this team earlier in the year. They owe them one. The Giants are the closest team to them in the wild card race right now. Like I'd like to tell you that they're going to come out and they're going to exert their dominance, their superiority in this series. But I have no clue. I, I, I'm i actually would bet on them tonight and probably to win this series because they just came off such a poor series. The one thing I'll give this team credit for is that when they have a horrible loss, they do seem to rebound pretty much almost immediately. So, you know, I don't think that they got on the team bus last night and said, we should be ashamed of ourselves. That was utterly embarrassing. We got to prove who we are this week. But like, you better be up for this because this is the theme of this team right now. They're letting other teams hang around. And you and I can sit here and talk about San Francisco's schedule and how they're not that good. And Gabe Kapler isn't getting buy-in from his pitching staff. And Miami's not that good. Like, we can do that. But if you let these teams hang around long enough, 
shit can get weird in September. We see it every year. So oh, yeah. it's time here, fellas. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, you you can't have, you know, we think back over like this the last month. You lose a series in Cleveland. You can't lose that series. You lose a series in Pittsburgh. You can't lose that series. You lose a series to the Nationals. You can't lose that series. I mean, you're probably only talking three games in, in you know, uh, in a stretch of, of a month, you know, where you sit there and go, man, that's just terrible that that ends up happening. Because if you win those three and you win those series, it's a whole different conversation we're having today. But and yes, those games happen, like you said, over the course of a season in baseball. But it's funny, Bob, I mean, this this the one thing about the Phillies last year was even, you know, and again, people always said, oh, well, they just got yeah. hot at the end. They didn't. They, they were good for a long period of time. But the one thing that they were good doing from June to the end of the year was beating the teams they were supposed to beat. This season's team harkens back to the 2018, 2019, 2020 teams that struggled to beat the teams that they should have beat. Missed opportunities. 22 games. Missed opportunities. Of, of right? inferior opponents. 22 games. Yeah. They're 12 and 10. What what's acceptable? Like doesn't doesn't 14 and 8 sound so much better than 12 and 10? Just find yeah. a way to win two more of these games. And we might not feel this way. Like if you look at them over their last 35 games, they're 19 and 16, which of all these wild card contenders is actually the best record, I believe. Um yeah. it, it's not like that they're playing horrendous baseball and hanging on for dear life. But this was supposed to be the stretch of vulnerability in terms of their opponents. Like, this was the stretch where you're supposed to do it. And you said it. Last year, this was the conversation. They can beat up on bad teams, great, but they can't beat anybody good. Like, that was what we were talking about. This year, right. we're not having that conversation because, one, they're not really beating up on bad teams. And, two, they, they, for the most part, I feel like I don't have the numbers in front of me. I saw somebody tweet actually that they haven't been very good against division leaders this season. Like, okay. I, I mean, that's probably true, but I feel like the opponent doesn't really matter for this team, at least lately, like play a good team, no. play a bad it's, team. It's, it's funny. Like I, I wasn't planning on even bringing this up, but I mean, the fact that you just mentioned this, I, I, I texted you the other night. Um, I guess it was or the other afternoon, Saturday before the game, Saturday afternoon. <laughs> I was just kind of sitting there just on the computer, just kind of looking at it, whatever. And I was like, Oh, Look at it's just showing the records against teams over five hundred, teams under five hundred. The Phillies are one of a, a small number of teams that have a winning record against teams with winning records. Mm -hmm. Like they actually are okay against good teams. They they and they don't have it's not that they have a losing record against bad teams, but it's not as good as it should be. Yeah. I mean, I think they're I think they're like thirty and twenty two against teams that are under five hundred. If you're gonna win, if you're gonna, if you have plans on winning a World Series, you better be damn better than thirty and twenty-two against sub five hundred teams. That's a lot of losses against sub five hundred teams that you shouldn't have. So I, I don't know. I was just—it's funny that you brought that up because it was like I didn't—we we, we couldn't really—I couldn't think of any way to kind of contextualize that for anything and comparing them to other teams because I don't put a lot of stock into it, and I don't think you do either. But it was just funny. It was like in that moment we we're talking about it, like they struggled—they're struggling to win series against teams that they should beat and in reality it's the opposite of what they've done in the past like they're they're actually decent against good teams and missing opportunities along the way to really just be in a comfortable spot come the end of september
Yeah, and that's sort of like the opening segment of this show. And then what we do is we say, okay, well, what did we watch this weekend? And who do we want to talk about? And what does it mean for this player? And I'm I'm having a hard time transitioning into that conversation. Like, I, I have my list here, right? And I want to be like, well, like, let's talk about Jake Cave and how, you know, over his last 30 games, he's hitting 273. And he's been really good the last two weeks. And, like, I, I just... Do we really want to dive into the intricacies of Jake Cave's resurgence right now? Because when I I just am having a hard time getting beyond the the big picture here, which is like, I don't know what to make of this team. And I don't know how at this point in the season, I I don't have any feel for them. Like, I, I know that you and I kind of do this thing where we keep talking about, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. I, I, my my one take, and I've, I've, I've said it on the show, and I, I feel stronger about it than ever, is that I believe that this team is complacent. And I thought that they were complacent at the beginning of the season. I know that they dug themselves out of the hole. I get it. I don't know that it's even – I don't know that it's actually at the front of their minds. It may be subconscious. I, I'm telling you, man, I just believe that this team feels like we're going to get there. Who gives a shit? And and they play like that. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. And and really when you – and this is – and I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to dismiss what you're saying because I don't please think do. you're wrong. Like, please do. No, 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 because I don't think you're wrong. I, I think that there is a little bit of that. We are seeing a little bit of that complacency. And what I mean by that, what I think to just dive into it a little bit more, what you're saying is it's not that it's complacency in the sense that, um, you know, we don't feel like we have to try hard because this is this team, as you know, they do go out and, and they do try. They they work hard. They're 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 a very committed team. Right. There's a lot of of that about their work ethic. But I do think that there is that malaise that settles in for teams sometimes that know they're going to be there when the chips are down and i think that this phillies team is is riddled with it okay it it happens a lot but i think if you go back and look over time in baseball and i'm not saying that this is a justification for this by any stretch of the imagination but the teams that ultimately are there in the end for the most part are about where the Phillies are right now. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's weird. I mean, if you just want to, if you just want to look at the Phillies, the rec- look at the record last year, the times they won the World Series, the time the years they've been to the World Series, like with the exception of I think uh 93 because they were so far out in front from the from the jump. I think every season they're about 10 games over 500, 11 games over 500 in the middle of August. Yeah. It's weird, right? I mean, and so and I think about it and I say to myself, if we were doing this show back in those days, right? And the, let's just imagine we were doing this podcast during the, the those 2008, 2009 teams, right? We'd be complaining like, about Jimmy Rollins, who's about to win an MVP. And did he, yeah, like what, where, would be, out and... where would we where would we be like would we when the team is 66 and 56 in August? Are we sitting there saying, oh, my God, what's wrong with this team? Pro- yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? We probably do, right? So, I so that's the only thing. So I I don't think you're wrong. I just think that what you're talking about is something that happens far more frequently in the sport than maybe we care to recognize because we are so hyper focused on our one team in the one moment and don't really think about the fact that this this takes place around the sport 
year after year after year. And teams where the Phillies are right now ultimately find a way, at least one of them does or two of them do, find a way to get to that World Series pretty much the same spot that the Phillies are in right now. I mean, think about it. Like, we're all talking about the Braves, how great they are this year. And they are. The best offense since 27 Yankees. I mean, everybody's talking about this, right? Right. But So they're having that kind of a season. But didn't the Dodgers have that kind of season last year? Were they in the – they didn't even make the NLCS. Yeah. Right? I mean, so, like, you know, we can talk about all this wonderful regular season stuff. The game is just different, and shit happens when it gets to the end of September and beginning of, and beginning of October in baseball. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, and I understand it, and I don't think you're wrong, but I also understand why they have that quote-unquote complacency about them. Yeah, and when I use the word complacency, I think it means different things, and it's meant different things throughout the course of the season. Like, I think that they felt like something was owed to them. Like, they, they were just going to show up, and things were going to happen for them after last season. They talked about how they weren't going to let that happen. You cannot tell me that April, and specifically May, there wasn't a little bit like, we're the Phillies, we'll figure it out. Like, I, I think that there was. There was a call to hangover, call it smelling yourself a little bit, whatever you want to call it. This isn't the same thing. Like, I think that they learned that lesson, but I do think that there's a little bit of like a, we see the standings, we're where we need to be. We'll be all right. And I think that there's something to be said from an organizational level. When you are constantly giving guys extra rest, days off, six men in the rotation, like I think that that sets a little bit of a, what's the word I'm looking for here? It sets like a mentality sort of like, we're not all in right now. And I'm not saying that this is, I'm not saying, yeah, tone. I'm not saying this is the wrong approach. Like you are trying to balance optimizing for October versus doing what you need to right now. And that may pay off in October. And that's why you don't hear me crushing them for this when they are conservative and they are a little bit safe in the, the way that they, they roll out their lineups and how they use their players. Like I am willing to go along with it because I understand the, the end game and what they're trying to accomplish. But I think when you do that, you are in a way subliminally signaling to your clubhouse, like this is not the end of the world. You, you don't necessarily need to be maybe as up for this game as, as maybe some of the fans are, you know, like, and, and I don't think that it has anything to do with work ethic. I don't think that these guys uh, aren't grinding, like aren't dialed in, like aren't, aren't trying in the moment to, to win baseball games. I just don't think it has that. We got to go right now vibe to it. And I think that's what you're seeing. And as you said, it's sort of understandable and it is something that does happen across the game. That being said, now you get to the San Francisco Giants, and I don't think that there is a damn person in the Phillies clubhouse that cares about Gabe Kapler coming back here. Like, I don't think that Gabe Kapler has anything to do with this week. I don't think the storyline matters to anybody but the fans and maybe people that have to fill some content. Um, He's just a kind of a, a side note in this whole thing. And if he were to come back here in the postseason, do I think that that would be funny? I do, because I think the crowd would destroy him. Um, but other than that, like, there's no extra energy for this series because of Gabe Kapler. But what I do wonder is, you get into this series now, you're back at home, you just missed some opportunities to gain that extension and separation I talked about. Do they... Do they have a little bit more for this series? Is the mentality a little different for this series? 
Like, does do they know this one matters a little bit more in terms of, hey, you know, we take care of business in this series and we can really create that separation that we need to do what we talked about last week, which is you want to rest guys, you want to play the long game, build a lead in the friggin' standings and then play the long game. Yeah. Um, so here's, here's how I look at it. I I think that those conversations are happening. I think they absolutely are saying it to themselves. Like we go out there and we, we can bury the giants as far as not really bury them. I mean, obviously they'll still be in the, in the race, but we can, we can bury them in our rear view, in our rear view mirror. Like they're back there somewhere. We might see them in October, but Hey, you come into our ballpark in August and we, and we can show you a taste of what you're going to experience if you come back here in October. Right. I mean, and that's really what you can do. And I think that those conversations are hundred percent absolutely happening. And I think it's their intention to play that way and to win this series and as you know, win every game of this series and, and send that message. That being said, I don't think the series is as big as everybody's making it out to be. <laughs> well, I agree that it's not some <laughs> referendum on the Philly season in that. I don't, I don't think like, go look at the giants schedule and like, tell me that you're absolutely certain that the San Francisco giants who do nothing special are going to be there at the end. Like I, I don't, I, yeah. I've been saying this for months, Bob. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I'm with you on it. So like, I can go for that, but like now here you go. Like, let, let me, let me say that I agree at a high level with you, but when you dive into it, like here, here's what I have the next three nights. I have Aaron Nola taking the ball tonight. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what I'm going to say here? No. And you're right. Hey man, show me what you got. Like yeah. enough of this, like stop letting people like me and, and, and people call in on WIP and talk about how you're a number four. And should you be in the playoff rotation? Because you know what he hasn't done now for a month and a half? He hasn't given people like you the opportunity to say, see, that's the guy that I'm backing. Because he's been terrible. Yep. He's been absolutely wretched for five weeks now. He stinks. Right now, Aaron Nola stinks. So let's, hey, Aaron, mix it up a little bit. And tonight, give Anthony Sanfilippo the opportunity to jump onto Twitter, get in his text messages, go into his Slack chats and say, that's the Aaron Nola that should be starting game two of a postseason series for this team. Because I haven't seen that guy in a while now. So, like, yeah, does this series really matter if they win two out of three, lose two out of three? Maybe not. But, like, there are individuals that at some point I'd like to actually, like, look at performance and latch onto something real other than the past when I say I feel pretty good about what's coming up here. Like, I don't want to hear about – like, I said it to you back in April. I don't want to hear about 2022 anymore. I don't care that the Phillies won in the postseason last year because I don't really think it matters this year. Just because they did it last year doesn't mean they're going to do it this year. And just because Aaron Nola was a really good pitcher at this level for eight years doesn't mean that he's going to do what they need him to do down the stretch. Go out and do it. You're you're right, and it's not just Aaron Nola because guess what? You're going to get Taiwan, Taiwan Walker's Walker. first first yep. start, right? And then you got Lorenzen coming off of a, a a concerning start. When I say concerning, it's not because oh he got lit up the day after the game after he pitched a no hitter by the same team he threw a no hitter against. It's just that he had nothing in the game, and even after eight days rest. When you watched him pitch, it was like, 
Ooh. Do like, you think it, that there's it, something it, to be said for? I wanted to get to this, but yeah. we're here, so let's just do it now. I I understand why the Phillies gave him the extra rest. I have no problem with it, but yeah. I believe that when you take a guy off schedule to that degree, you're allowing for you would think, oh man, like he's got more rest. He's going to be better, stronger. Uh, yeah. Sometimes not. that's not how it works, man. And yeah, I don't right. think that there was a little bit of that in that start. Well, they, I mean, it's funny because you, I'm glad you said that, Bob, because. Rob Thompson talked about this right before they left on the road trip. Um, I guess it was uh, the last game of the, I think it was this, we were, yeah, because we were in his office. So it was Sunday's game last week. And we were talking about, you know, the rotation and rest for pitchers. And he talked about having to really thread the needle with that, like saying, yeah, we want to, we want to give them a little bit of an extra rest here and there, but we don't want to do it too much because it throws them off. Right. And so, so there is a, a little bit of, I mean, that conversation's happening on a daily basis in that ballpark. And the reality of it is, is that Lorenzen, if, if Ranger Suarez doesn't go on the IL, Lorenzen's not pitching in this series against the Giants. And then there's an off day Thursday. So he was probably going to get two more days rest, right? Coming off. I mean, the original, let's be honest, the original plan would have been Wheeler, Nola, Walker for this Giants series was what they were originally going to do. So Lorenzen was even going to get two more days. So it's like it's it's you you now you know that last game of that series against the Giants is going to be it's going to be telling because it's going to be either one of two things: either he pitches really well and you say, okay, Lorenzen, we shouldn't have given him eight days off. It probably is the reason why he was rusty against the Nationals, or he struggles again, and you sit there and go, uh oh, has this guy reached a point where he's thrown too many innings this year? You know, or or we you know he's maybe having some little bit of dead arm himself at this time of year. Like it's it's a it's going to be a real curious thing for me to see his performance on Wednesday afternoon. Well, that's why when you get to the end of this series in the middle of the week, I think you're going to feel one of two ways about it, and it's not all tied into win loss. I mean, let me let me outline two different, very different scenarios for you. Aaron Nola goes out and beats up on an average to, to maybe even below average offense. I, I just don't respect – I don't respect San Francisco's offense. I think it stinks. Like oh, I it's terrible. Um, and, 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 you know, and they got guys hurt too. So, yeah. I mean so, – So, Nola does that, takes care of business. You feel, okay, all right, like we saw that he can do it again. Great. We feel good about that. Taiwan Walker comes out after his prolonged layoff and isn't horrible in his first inning, and the velocity is a little bit better. And – he gives you that that vintage 2023 Taiwan Walker start. Six, seven innings, two, three runs. You feel pretty good about Taiwan Walker. All right, he turned the corner. And then Lorenzen goes out and looks like the guy that he's been for most of the season with Detroit and what he looked like in his first two starts with the Phillies. And you feel, hey, really good, right? Nola comes out, doesn't take advantage of an inferior opponent. Walker, first inning struggles, velocity way down. Lorenzen looks like he's hit a wall. Now, Ranger Suarez is also hurt. And do I believe that he's severely hurt? And am I really concerned about that injury? No, but he's not out there right now. So, like, you could get to a point where in the middle of this week, you're like, hey, I feel really good about the direction of this rotation. Or, oh, my God, you know, there's question marks up and down this entire thing again. And, Again, it's one game, like maybe one game against the Giants this week shouldn't dictate the way we feel at, at, at like a macro level, but that's the way this is going to work, and we all know it. You, you didn't even go to the third scenario, Bob. The third scenario is 
the pitchers pitch well, but the lineup remains inconsistent, and they somehow lose this series because they don't hit. Well, I'd then, rather then how, then how do then how do we feel after Wednesday? <laughs> well, I, I almost would tell you this: as much as like we hang on every win and every loss, and I think that you know what they do in the series will ultimately be the most important thing in terms of how we feel overall. I, I'd almost rather see all guys, all three guys, pitch well and then lose two out of three than all three guys, you know, be be brutal or sound the alarm and then they they hit to overcome it, like. I think when you're looking at the long term, it's more important that this this pitching staff starts to stabilize because right now with the Phillies, you know, it's not we saw them in June. Like the the offense wasn't great, but like the pitching staff was so good that you could like you could say the Phillies are doing elite things in certain categories. And that's why I feel good about them because they're so good when they have a lead late. The starting pitching has been so good for this team. I just I feel comforted by the fact that I know that there are clear strengths. You fast forward to where they're at right now, and it's so up and down everywhere. The offense is either great or it's not. Like I know you said they're not feast or famine, but like lately they sort of have been. Yeah, so so the reason I say that they're not feast or famine, Bob, and and yes, it's, of course you can go back and look at they had what two runs in three games over the yeah. weekend, right? I mean, so, or last weekend, right? So, um, that that those things happen, and, and in the course of a season, and they happen to teams that are really good offensive teams too. So it's not like you know, it's it's not like the Phillies are two runs in three games multiple times in a year. So to me, that would be feast or famine. I think what we why we say that or use that saying and i think that this is just me being this is just this is just me you know arguing semantics here i think but uh, of language but to me if you're a feast or famine team it's you're either really good one day and really bad the next i, I look at what the, the they did this weekend and just because they had a great seventh eighth and ninth inning that doesn't mean that that's a feast on saturday they were terrible for the first seven innings of that game right but what what they are is a team that because they are not an on like a real on base team, they are a team that either puts up big innings with multiple runs. They don't they don't they're they're not good at, at you know scratching out a run here and there and get doing it a few times in a game and all of a sudden got oh two three runs that didn't come from you you know pounding the ball all over the yard. So I think I think that that's why people think of them as feast or famine. They're just a team that's built to have big innings and not necessarily one run here, one run there, one run. Like if you want to do the one run here, one run there kind of thing, you got the Nationals offense. Right. Right? Which I mean it's like I said it's not bad, but unless you have the pitching that to support it, you're a sub 500 team. Well, so you, this is what I this is what I come back to. That's fine. Like I that's fine, but they're they're not an elite offense. No, I'm, I have concerns about. Do you feel great about? We have for a lot of this season. Do you feel great about the Phillies bullpen right now? Let me see how um, Alvarado's coming back tonight. There, there's going to be a move there, and and let's kind of see what happens now on the back of that bullpen with him slotted into that spot in front of Kimbrel. Yeah. Um. And and, and let's see if that creates a little bit more. Depth to the I'm not telling you that I think that they're bad or that this is a, a huge problem, but there is some uncertainty and, and hopefully yeah, that's for sure. the boost that's you fair. need and it stabilizes things and you, you feel better about it now. 
But like where we talked about it last week, do you use Lorenzen as a potential bullpen piece in October? Because you don't know if you can trust Sir Anthony Dominguez to get important outs late in games. Like they got to get him right. Soto for, for as good as his, as his stuff is, you just, you never know what you're going to get. He's, he's been very hittable for, for a prolonged stretch. You know, what's wild about him. I, I wasn't, again, we weren't even planning on talking about Gregory Soto. Like I was just looking at his season last year in Detroit where he was their all-star. And then we all talked about, Oh my God, they're trading for this fireballer. And then he's been so incredibly inconsistent for the Phillies this year. And yet, his numbers are way better this year than they were last year for Detroit. Like, I can't believe it. I was, I was floored by it. I didn't think that there was any way possible that his numbers were better this year than last year. And in fact, they are. And, and like significantly so. And I was like, that's crazy to me. Like, like I, I didn't think, cause I don't think he's had a good year. Yeah. I, I really don't. And yet he's been better than he was before they even acquired him. So it's like, Holy cow. That's, that kind of that surprised me. For as hard as he throws, like he kind of, he's not like Jose Alvarado. It's it's a bad comparison because like early Jose Alvarado in Philadelphia, because Alvarado even when he wasn't consistent was a strikeout guy, sort of like boom or bust. Soto yeah. strikeout numbers. I mean, like eight point seven strikeouts per nine. It was only nine last year. He was up around eleven the two years prior to that, but like. I just kind of feel like the, the comparison I guess I ultimately would make is that you have a guy who you just feel like his his stuff doesn't equate to the result. Like he should be better than this. You know and, what I think it you know what I think it is with his fastball, Bob? And you tell me, I mean, look, you yeah. you've, co- you've coached the game. You you probably have a better perspective on this than I do. But I think his fastball is just it's hard, but it's straight. Mm-hmm. I don't think it moves. And that's that's to me why he gives up more contact on it. Like uh, hitters can hit anything; it, it, they see it, they see it enough. They could hit a hundred, hundred and one. They don't don't matter, right? I mean, what's the old saying that you know major league hitters can can uh, time the the nose of a jet uh, if you know if if they see it a few times. Um, like if your fastball doesn't have a little bit of movement on it. Eventually, guys are just going to smack it. You know, going to put put the ball in play. Against well, you. you're not going to strike far, uh Looking at it here, he's averaged 98.7 miles per hour this four seam fastball this year. Uh, he throws it less than his sinker and his slider, but opponents are hitting 314 against it. And <laughs> I mean, I'm saying. if if you want to play the he's he's actually not getting the result he should game like which I, I kind of get late in August I get tired of of doing this like. I'm cool. I'm cool doing this for a month or two, but the expected batting average against his fastball this season is 222. So the actual batting average is about 100 points higher. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it kind of lends to what you're saying though, which is that guys throwing 99 miles per hour on average with that thing, and it's pretty hittable. And it, yeah, it's I mean, funny. I, I had a, I had a, I didn't even tell you about this one, but I had a pretty good conversation with Jeff Hoffman in the clubhouse. I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, we're just in you know, pregame, you know, you know, you walk in and you have that availability. I just walked up to him because I wanted to do a story on, uh, and I haven't written it yet, but I wanted to kind of have a story in mind of like guys who might have, a, you know, an important role in September and October, you know, for this team that you're not thinking about, like guys who could, could have important jobs. And I think Jeff Hoffman might be one of those guys. And we were, so we were just talking pitching, right? 
and you know we were talking some of the stuff that they've changed in the game this year and whatever and and he said to me he said you know they can keep trying to make our jobs harder as pitchers um and we'll just counter that by just throwing harder and i said to him i said that's fine but you can't just grip it and rip it man like you have to you know you if you're going to throw harder that's all good right but you you have to locate and he's like well that's the difference between being a in triple a and major leagues he said triple a you grip it and rip it and you stay there he says get up here you got to be able to locate your pitch if you can't locate your pitches you're not there's no value to you no matter how hard you throw so it's like an interesting conversation we were having about that and that's why i'm saying like i think when i watch soto pitch dude is rearing back and firing that thing but it's straight (laughs) it's going on a straight line out of his hand right to the catcher there's nothing there's no break to it at all yeah i mean i'm 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 with you on it i think that you know just to try to tie up the, the the larger point for me it's that nothing is elite right now. Like no unit of this team is elite and consistent. And I would like to see some consistency. And I'm willing to admit that you could get to the end of September, the beginning of October, go into the playoffs, and you could be up or down, up and down. You could be going in with no momentum, a ton of momentum. And it just it seems like in this sport in recent years, it doesn't seem to really matter. There was a time in baseball where the best team won the World Series. Like there yeah. was a you know, it was just a March. And will there be years where that happens again? Yes. And could it be this season? Absolutely. But like, I know that it might not matter, but I would like to get to a point where you go in, like, look at last season in the NFL. I know you're 49ers guy, but like the Eagles were the best team in the NFC last year, all year. And they got to the playoffs and, and Hey, I know things broke favorably. And if, if San Francisco had a, a third string quarterback, they no doubt would have scored 45 points in that game. Certainly. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like the Eagles, like being in the Super Bowl was not a surprise. Um, Kansas city and Patrick Mahomes being in the Super Bowl. It wasn't a surprise because like there were elite things that you could kind of latch onto with those teams. And I would rather be a Braves fan right now than a Phillies fan. I, I would, I, I know that the Braves have questions like the pitching and Max Fried hasn't been unbelievable. Like I get all that, but like the Braves are doing something elite that when I go into October, I can say, I like my team's chances because they're doing that. And you know what? It's not vibes. I'll tell you what, and this is where I'm, this is where I'm going to disagree with you completely we usually are even if we don't always agree on things we at least have a thing where we kind of are part of the way there together this one i'm on the complete opposite side of you because i am the firm believer that when things are going really well and you are believing in your in your team and your squad and we're so much better than that than everybody else that you failed and i wrote this today that you fail to see the path of the banana peels in front of you and that you're more susceptible to being tripped up when you're that team than you are when you're grinding and you have to work your way there. Here's the thing. I agree with that. I agree with that. But here's my counter to it. The two teams that I think are better than the Phillies in the National League right now have both in recent years hit those banana peels. Are they so stupid and so naive? Do not have learned from their past failings. The Dodgers, man, like should have won the World Series. They didn't. The Braves, a team that has done it, has championship pedigree, 
hit that banana peel last October in Philadelphia. Do they not know that? Well, let's put, let me ask you this, Bob. I, sometimes it's sometimes it's bravado, right? So look yeah. at the I, I look at the Braves right now. There's no reason that they should just keep be pounding away with their everyday players playing every inning of every game. Why are they doing this? And they put this, there was a story out on the athletic about how they, this is their culture and they believe in playing every game, every game and how that's important to build that culture because this is a team with one goal and one direction. And then Ozzy Albies goes and hurts his hamstring because he's playing every inning of every game. There's something to be said for that. Like, like why you're up 13 games in the division, dude, you could give that entire team a week off and you'd still be eight games ahead at the end of the week. Like you don't, there's, it's not a race. Why are they doing what they're doing? Are you trying to break some sort of record with the home run record they're chasing and the number of runs scored or something? Fine. But what good did that do the Phillies in 2011 Mm -hmm. when they were chasing a 102 win team, they let a better team into the playoffs that beat them. Because they cared more about a regular season record. Three 100-win teams in the playoffs in the National League last year. None of them made the NLCS. I mean, it, they're, they're, the baseball is riddled with this. And I just I think that there's there are things, and I'm not saying, look, if I'm picking today, I'm still picking the Braves to win the whole thing. In my mind, they're the best team in baseball. And I think that they do have a determination that's different this season than last season and previous seasons, okay? It's a it's a different kind of vibe when you watch that team play. They go out there and they're like, we're the best team and we're going to show you we're the best team. But when the chips are down, is that still the same mentality? Are they still that way? We'll see. We'll, we'll see. I, there's just something about that in baseball where I think that you, you re- and 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 I don't I don't particularly like being the front runner. I really don't. I don't like it. I don't like being out in front of everybody because it's a lot harder to get to where you want to be when you're constantly being hunted. Yeah, somebody's I, gonna, somebody's going to find a way to get you. I I know I know, and I know what happened in 2011, and I know how the the trajectory of that run that era it was a, a gradual decline into the abyss. For a decade and i hear everything you're saying and there's a ton of recent examples that, that bear it out i just it goes back to what i said before this season ever started which is at some point i would like to see this organization be, be a little bit more alpha like a little bit more and i and they're aggressive and they spend. And I, I like what Dave Dombrowski has done. And there's a lot of good things here, but I just, I don't always want to have to be the team lurking in the weeds, like the underdog, the, like nobody believed in us. And we even like the storyline this, this October is going to be like, we were in the world series and y'all forgot about us. And like, if they make a run, it's going to be like, see, they overlooked this again. This is what we do. When the lights are bright, we show up. Like, come on, man. Just, like, win 95 fucking games. Like, how about that? Like, can we just win 95 games? I'm not saying that you have to have, like, bravado and not see the banana peels. But, like, is there a world where you can just be really frigging good and consistent and and not hit 182 and not go through six starts as a guy looking for $30 million a year and be bad? And and not get shut out by Trevor Williams for six innings in a in a rubber match on national team. Like, can't you just have it all? <laughs> Ever? Ever. 
right? No, it's it's a it's a great question, Bob, and it, I think it's a it's a worthy debate, and I think it's one where you look at it and say, yeah, yeah, it would be. Would that be better? Maybe, but maybe it wouldn't either. Maybe if they were cruising along, yeah. that would make this that wouldn't make this team as a, as exciting when it matters. I'm just saying that that there's something about that clubhouse, you know, mentality. The way that they come together when when the chips are well, down. Deal with you. If they win eighty seven games or eighty eight games this year, and they they get hot in the playoffs, and they get back to a World Series, and they do this again, I will not question the path beyond this year. Like, <laughs> but right now, it I'm I'm telling you, like I'm not trying to diminish what occurred last year because it was impressive, and it was they gave this city a ton of great memories, and I will tell you what, I I don't know how long I'll cover professional sports or if it'll go beyond this year. I have no clue what the future holds, but that moment when Bryce Harper hit that home run against the Padres in game five of the NLCS, and you and I were sitting next to each other and you hit me with that elbow and we were down on that field. It was one of the coolest moments of my life professionally. um, You know, just being around sports, loving the game so much. I mean, so I will always be thankful for what happened, but I don't necessarily know that 10 years from now, we're going to look at that and say, that's what that team, that's what that organization was all about. Because right now it didn't result in a championship. And I don't know if it was a one-off. I don't. So I think we're going to find out, is that DNA real? Like, yeah, I think we're going to find out this year. And, and it doesn't mean that they have to beat the Braves. It doesn't mean that they have to win the world series, but let's see what they do. And let's see how they play these games when we get there. And there's probably going to be a point in the next five or six weeks when we're looking at the wild card. Like I know we haven't really like gotten into the, like the matchups over the next couple of weeks and who, who might end up being the matchups in that first round. And how's this wild card race going to shake out? Like, I just don't want to do that today. Like there's probably going to be time to do that in September today. Like for me, it's about bridging this gap between what we're seeing right now and what might happen two months from now here's the last thing i want to say about this and i i think that i think that i'm starting to grow soft in my old age <laughs> because for years i've listened to my kids i've listened to younger guys even guys your generation you know your age and a little even a little bit younger than you in their third guys in their early 30s i've listened to them say the sports seasons with the exception of the nfl um but baseball, basketball, hockey, seasons are too long. Play too many regular season games. They need to shorten the seasons up. And that would make it better. And I've argued for years and years and years to say, ah, yeah, it's stupid. You know, this is the way it always has been. This is the way it should be. And this is what, what makes these games great. And I still think that. I, I wouldn't shorten the season. But I think what the, the teams have done, the people running the teams have done, is they've identified that, yes, the seasons are long. And we're going to shorten the season within the 162 games in baseball or 82 games in basketball or hockey. We're going to shorten the season and we're going to say we're going to do what we have to do up to a certain point and then we're going to play when we have to play. And so when we go to the six man rotations and guys being sat and giving extra days off and you're like, why he just had a day off. Why is he getting another day off? And then you and then, you know, you look in basketball. We heard Doc Rivers for 
three years talk about um, scheduled losses, right? I mean, like like all the, all of the load management stuff, right? And it drives us crazy because my God, what are we what are we talking about? But they've these sports teams have identified there's a time of year when we have to play, and that's when we're going to play. And I think that's what the Phillies approach is. And it's funny, it was like kind of taken over the show with this with this conversation. But I think that that's really what the Phillies' mentality is. They won't say it publicly. They won't come out and say this was our plan for the year, okay? Because things change in, an, in you know in uh, over the course of the season. I'm sure that they didn't plan on starting the season nine games under 500 through sure. you know beginning of June or whatever it was. Um, you know, I'm certain that there are paths that you know you have to divert off of but the plan was all along let's just let's get ourselves to a position where we're ready to go for that last 20 game push into the playoffs i honestly believe that's been their plan for a long long time and that's why we're seeing what we're seeing if we're if we're hitting a month from now bob if we're talking in you know eight episodes from now we're having this same conversation about the inconsistency of this team then I think it's time for the red flags to fly up and say, yeah, they're going to be in there, but my God, we are not confident about it, right? Well, I I hope in this conversation, if you're listening to this, that the frustration and anger and befuddlement that you feel on a nightly basis with this team has been captured. Like, I hope that you know that- We manifested it. We understand, listener, that this is crazy. Um, But- that there is a a long view and that there there could be a a light at the end of the tunnel here. Um, so I hope we were able to walk that balance where you're like these guys aren't ranting idiots, but yeah, like you know, my frustration has been validated because uh, that's that was my aim today to to try to to walk that line. So be, before we get out of here, and I don't know if you have anything else on the Phillies that you want to hit specifically. Uh, do you? And then I have the, well, that, and then one last thing, yeah. Yeah. Well, so the the thing I wanted to talk about with the Phillies, and and I'll be honest with you, I I, I sent a text to um, you know, I'm close with Glenn Mack now from WIP, and I, I sent him a text yesterday afternoon, and I, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't, you know, Glenn's somebody I really respect. He's been in this business for a long, long time. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't being hyperbolic when I said this. So I asked him, and I said, in your memory. Is has there ever been a moment of connectivity between an entire team and their and this city that was equal to what the Phillies did at the Little League World Series when they went and stood in the crowd with all of the Delaware County media fans and Phillies fans that are not from Delaware County but were there at that game cheering for the media Little League team and that they and that they were celebrating the way they were celebrating doing you know the big ball celebration when that kid hit the double to to tie the game in the bottom of the fifth and Harper having goosebumps and just like Schwarber just like cheering them the heck on yelling and screaming like has there ever been anything like that and Glenn agreed that there hasn't that this may have been the best moment of that connectivity in this city's history and the thing that really impressed me about it, Bob, and this is this was something I, you know, was hoping that I could really write about and talk about today, but I, they they squashed it a little bit with the way they played last night. But um, 
Bryce Harper makes three hundred is making is on a three hundred thirty million dollar contract. Trey Turner's on a three hundred million dollar contract. Kyle Schwarber's a hundred million dollars, right? Or am I right about that? Hundred million dollars. You have three of the most well-paid professional athletes in the world standing in a little league ballpark doing what they were doing. And I'm just thinking to myself, if there are any other people at that level, look, if you had a bunch of, if, if um, Matt Strom is out there, you know, cheering on to your stubs, right? Those guys, you, you would say, yeah, of course, because they're those guys, right? I mean, that's who they are. They're, they're just guys on the team. I mean, they're professional ball players. They make a good living, but they're not the elite of the elite who are doing this. Yeah. But to have those three guys there doing it and all standing together, I don't think that you'd see that anywhere. And it really, to me, was a seminal moment. That's why everybody wants this team to succeed. Because if this team wins a championship, Bob, I argue that they could be the most beloved group of players ever to play in a city, more than the 08 team, more than the 17 Eagles, more than the Broad Street Bullies who still have, are getting free dinners 50 years later in this city. Like, any, just they would have that connection with this city more than anyone else to ever play to play here. I, uh, I agree with that. I'll start with what you just said first. You have the, the run that they had last year and the connection that was sort of forged there and for years on this show I and mean, go back. I mean, don't don't go back and listen to the archives. You don't want to relive that. But one of the things you always said was that, you know, you look at that 08, 09 era and you talk about those players. And the reason why there was such affection for them was because you need those moments. You need those those postseason moments to really feel like, wow, that's what Shane Victorino is all about. Like, you don't feel about. The, the way you do about Shane Victorino without the grand slam off of Sabathia, like that, that moment and, you know, him getting thrown at against the Dodgers and he's pointing at his helmet and like, and he points at like, you need those moments to feel that type of bond with a player. Yeah. And they didn't have that. I mean, they didn't have those moments. They, they weren't in position to experience those moments. And that's why for like years, even the first few years, Bryce Harper was here. You're like, Oh, Bryce Harper he's he's great. And, uh, you know, he wins the MVP and like, that's all fine and well. But when you look, you think about Bryce Harper in a Phillies uniform, what, what did you think about the grand slam against the Cubs? Who cares? You know, it was right. in the middle of August. Who cares? Like you need those moments. You need Reese, like Reese Hoskins. And I know he's still sort of a, a lightning rod player. Like there's a split on how people feel about him, but you know, the knock on, on his teams and his leadership was that like, they never won anything. Like this team wilts in September. Well, now here he is in the big moments hitting huge home runs against the Braves. Like, you're always going to have that now with Reese Hoskins. And for this team to almost win it all, not win it all, and then in this hypothetical comeback, do what they did yesterday, have those types of – those connectivity, like the, that type of connection with the with the fans, and then they come back and win the World Series, you're right. I mean, the upside and the way that you'll feel and identify with these players moving forward, I mean, I don't know that you could beat that in that situation. To what you are saying before, when you do this Little League MLB hybrid thing that they do, this was the absolute dream outcome for all parties in terms yeah. of, of what this is supposed to be. I mean, you said it. You have those three guys. Like, 
we all know that Bryce Harper is is uh, very aware of marketing, and we talk about the pandering stuff, and it's true. But he didn't have to do that yesterday. He didn't have to be out there. He didn't have to say the things he said. Take the amount of time that he took. I mean, there might be some requirements like, hey, Bryce, you got to show face, but he doesn't have to go in at that level. Like, there, you got to give him that. And it was a cool moment. It was like a perfect storm. They tie the game. You see them out there. I mean, it was it was great. And you can be a little bit, um, what's the word? Uh, not skeptical, but like you can kind of roll your eyes at some of this stuff sometimes, get a little bit negative, uh, get a little bit like, I don't know. You get a little bit weathered. But that was a cool moment yesterday. Like, that was a really neat experience to see that all play out. And, of course, they go out and lose the game later, and we have to talk about all these other things. But, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a really cool moment, for sure. Now, I just – I mean, yes. Is it orchestrated a little bit by Major League Baseball? I mean, you know, they have the whole thing with them getting off the plane and get riding the bus and walking in in the middle of the game. And, yes, it's all it, – it, it was very, very well prepared – public relations, marketing, whatever you want to say, by the league. But they've done this a couple years now. This isn't the first time this happened. And yes, players have gone there and they've signed autographs and sat there with the kids for a little bit. And and, and was it a perfect storm that you had a team playing in the game that also had a team from their hometown yeah. playing on the Little League game? Yes, and there was there was a lot of things that came together to make the moment what it was. But again, I, I, I point to the fact that these are the elite of the elite when it comes to high played, highest paid players in the game. Like they're they are the top they are the one percent of the one percent, right? And they are the ones that are out there. And look, Harper stuck around for the Las Vegas team because that's where yeah. he's from. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not just about connecting with Phil. Like, so, the, so yes, it's an awesome moment that we'll, we'll we'll always remember about this group for the Philadelphia. And imagine being those kids. I mean, you coached. Imagine, imagine the high school kids. If what, not just to be twelve years old. Imagine if the high school kids, same thing, if they were playing in a championship and the Phillies showed up to cheer them on, right? Like, I, mean, I would have been that, out of my mind. I would. What would have the memory been like? I mean, you yeah. talk about that for the rest of your life. Yeah. I mean, that's unbelievable. Those kids will forever and ever and ever root for the Phillies. Even if they weren't Phillies fans to begin with. Like a couple kids, I guess their families are from New York, even though they play for media. They're Yankees fans. I guarantee you those kids love the Phillies now too. Yeah. Because of it. <laughs> Someone tweeted out yesterday, <laughs> you're you're this kid on Rhode Island, right? You're yeah. on the mound. You're 12 years old. You got Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwerber, and Trey Turner rooting against you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> not in a mean spirited way, but like right. yeah. yeah, for sure, for yeah, sure. The, for the sure. entire Phillies roster wants to see me fail in this moment. Yeah, I just um, think, I just think it's one of those moments we'll, we'll always we will always remember about this group. Whether was that they a, a, was that a final thought? One last thing combo, or do you have something else uh, on top? I, I did have one. I did have one last last thing. Okay, one last. Just thing. Because, last thing. This is a, because we always try and do it from around baseball. Yeah. yeah. Have you have you ever seen a weekend with more crazy historical stat kind of things than what happened this weekend? Yeah. I mean, let's start with Julio Rodriguez. Four games had 17 hits. He was set. He was hitting eight, ten. He had four games with 17 hits. 
that was on it was the best four games stretched by any hitter in the history of the game. Then you have Trey Turner hitting two home runs off the same pitcher in the same inning, yeah. which has happened six times ever, ever. And then yesterday, to top it off, Gunnar Henderson. Yeah, this is what I thought you were going to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> like Gunnar Henderson, dude, he's a rookie, comes up with a chance to hit for the cycle. All he needs is a single. Hits the ball down the line, and you would think in today's age, with everything being the me generation, right? Look at me, look at me, look at me. Dude would stop at first, have his his cycle, be the youngest player in Baltimore history ever hit for the cycle. Oh, no, he took two, and he went and got a double. Became the youngest player to ever have four extra base hits in a game, Well, but didn't get the cycle. What was especially interesting about that was that they were up 10 to 1 when he hit it. Yeah. So he could have easily, it's not like they were trailing two one and he said, right. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to just keep it at one here. He, he had every, every out there to just say, I'm good. Let's get that cycle. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take that extra bag. And he did it. Yeah. That's, it was just all like, like stuff like that. It, it was, it was a weekend to really love the sport. We I like to, you know, I like to romanticize baseball. I know you like to romanticize baseball and, and baseball fans like to romanticize baseball. And I think it was just one of those weekends from start to finish where there were things going on in the sport that no matter how much we complain about the sport, no matter how much we complain about the umpires being bad or the, the rules not, aren't the greatest right now, or guys can't get a bunt down or they're not scoring errors, errors, all the things that we bitch and complain about. I think that there are times when the sport just wins. And this weekend just happened to be some of one of those weekends. And, and two of the young star up and coming stars in this league were part of it this weekend. And I was just, I was just impressed by both of them. And Turner as well. I mean, he's not an up-and-coming star. He's already a star. But nevertheless, I was just impressed by the weekend. One other uh, around-the-league item that I would just tack on to that. Uh, how about yeah. them Yankees? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Eight in a row, baby. They're, and Boone's going to lose his job, right? Like, he, has, has he doesn't to. survive that. How does Cashman keep the job? Yeah. How yeah. does he keep his job? They they have Aaron Judge and nothing. Yeah, say what you will about the Mets, but at least they – took action on an underachieving team, whereas the Yankees had an opportunity to probably entertain some things. And not that they have a ton of talent that they could have moved off that roster anyway, but they could have stripped it down a little bit and they didn't. And, you know, they got their work cut out for them. It's not, we're not, we're, we're past that era now of where the Yankees will figure it out. Like you can't just, it's not just going to work that way. Yeah. You know, Boston isn't there yet, but it has some interesting pieces. Tampa Bay, perennial contender. Baltimore, I mean, my goodness. You know, you see. They're, they're the new Astros. Yeah. They're going to be so, the, new, the new Astros. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that was. Anyway, it was a good weekend. That'll do it for the latest episode of Crossed Up. Uh, we will be back on Friday. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter or X, as it's called, at Ant San Philly. You can follow me at Bob underscore Wankel. You can follow the show account at Up Phillies. Make sure you check us out on YouTube. And you can subscribe and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, anywhere that you get your shows. And we will talk to you later this week.